Welcome to the Law Firm Growth Podcast, where we share the latest tips, tactics, and strategies for scaling your practice from the top experts in the world of growing law firms. Are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jan Roos, and I am here with a little bit of a mini series on one of my favorite topics and something that I find super important. In one, there's a it's there's two forms of what we're going to talk about, which is process versus results. Managing yourself, managing your team, managing vendors, and basically your expectations of running your law firm as a whole is going to be determined by one of those two things. There's a lot of habits that follow around for that, but I've seen that people that manage by one of these have tons of success. Uh, basically, all of the seven-figure firms that we work with are managing by process. And most of the extremely frustrated people and the ones that keep bouncing around from coaching program to coaching program and marketer vendor to marketing vendor always tend to focus on results. And there's going to be some follow-ons on this. I think we've got a part two planned already on how to manage by focusing on this. But just to start off with, I want to talk about how I differentiate these things and go to the example of something that most people understand, which is football. So I want to preface by saying that I am not a huge football fan, but um, given that most of our listenership is in the United States, it's something that most of you guys will. And by the way, I am referring to American football. <laughs> but basically, let's take the approach of winning a championship or winning a game by results and winning by process. So managing by results. Managing by results would be looking at a touchdown drive and assigning a you know pass or fail based on whether you guys scored or not. So if we scored, that's good. If you didn't score, that's bad. But what most sophisticated coaches understand is that there's a lot of different parts that go into the actual touchdown drive that could result in that succeeding or not. So it's very different if you don't score a touchdown because your wide receiver didn't catch the kickoff and then you ended up getting, you know, sacked in your own end zone for a safe, or maybe they dropped the ball and the opposing team ended up picking up. That's very different than if your quarterback was throwing the ball into the stands on every play, which is different than if the wide receiver couldn't catch it, which is different than if, you know, the offensive line wasn't able to block anyone and the QB got sacked, which is different than if you guys made it all the way to the end and you gave it to the rushing team and they just couldn't make it the last couple inches to make the touchdown. This seems kind of obvious, right? But when we switch this over to, you know, the realm of marketing a law firm, this is something that people usually take into for granted. But basically the, the major thing that I want to kind of ask and sort of pause is if we have a team that looks at things from all of these separate metrics that result in a successful touchdown attempt or not, who's going to have more granularity when it comes to what they're going to be drilling the next week, right? Because all the teams have time to focus on stuff in between. There's always something to focus on. And if we have one team that is focusing on the wide receivers and making sure we're nailing those passes, if that was the issue, then I would bet that that team would be in a better situation to succeed by next Sunday's game than a team that had some sort of a, you know, collective success or punishment kind of situation. I would say sort of the contrast of this is you have the coach that just blows up and flips out on the entire team because they didn't make the touchdown. When 
then in reality, there's probably a place where this process broke down specifically. So I want to kind of bring this out to the marketing situation, right? So I'll kind of go into an example of what, you know, we see, and I'll just use, you know, the webinar stuff that we do, for example, as an opportunity for this. So basically we have a very, very awesome default situation. And again, this stuff that I'm going to say is informed by thousands of conversations we've had with folks that we've, some of them we've worked with, some of them we haven't. And again, you know, we've been doing this for about seven years at this point. So it's been a lot. So there's a couple different types of firms. One, we have the type of firm that says, oh yeah, I've tried this. I've tried that. It didn't produce. It didn't work for us. There's another type of firm that said, yeah, well, you know, we actually got a good lead volume, but you know, the leads didn't end up closing. It's a very, very different conversation. And what I tend to hear from the most successful firms by the time I hop on a call with them is they say, well, you know, it was pretty good. We ended up having a close rate of about 40% and we were expecting it to be close to 60%. So that kind of goes to a different level. Level of granularity. These are people that understand the process at a more you know, discrete level. Now, it's very, very hard to look at some of these stats because this kind of brings into something that I have brought up on the show before, which is kind of this internal versus external attribution on these things. It's much easier on a psychological basis to look externally towards why something ended up not working out rather than work internally and say, hey, what did I do wrong? What could I have done better? Because, you know, forcing yourself to look at yourself honestly kind of opens yourself up to look kind of stupid, which no one wants to do. But to the ones that do have the ability to look into that stuff, they have the ability to find a weak point where somebody wants to work up the next month. So they're like the coach who ends up understanding that their wide receiver team needs help instead of the one that's just, you know, making the entire team do, you know, two days until the uh, next game ends up coming. So again, to kind of go through some of these examples, and I'm just going to go through a really basic thing. So sometimes, you know, and another kind of corollary to this is people get into all or nothing thinking, either something's great or something's awful. But the reality is on any given point in a marketing funnel, things can be doing well or things can be doing poorly. And as long as you have benchmarks in place, it's really easy to kind of figure out where you should focus for the next one. So Basically, you know, if I just take our webinar ad funnel, for example, these are the steps that need to happen in order for somebody to close as a client. We need to run ads with budget. People need to click on those ads. People need to sign up for a webinar on those ads. People need to attend the webinar. People need to be spoken to after the webinar and placed on a consultation. People need to attend that consultation and people need to close on that consultation. So we have, I'm not even keeping count there, probably like seven or eight discrete steps with metrics that we have for each of them, right? Super common thing that we'll see is if we have a situation where I'll say probably the most common thing, and you guys know that I love to harp on outbound and, and the importance of having a strong front desk. We can sometimes have a situation where we have numbers that are fantastic on the front end, right? So if we get, you know, 20 leads on a week or 20 attendees in a week, we know that the benchmark for how many consultations that should turn into based on our internal metrics, based on external metrics that we keep track of with clients, between 25 and 50% of those people should wind up as consultations. So if we have the you know bad coach example of that, if we aren't able to materialize any of those into close business, then the whole thing's a failure, right? But if we have somebody that's a little bit more granular, then we can say, okay, well, did we only book two out of those 20 leads? In which case we need to focus on how is the front desk going to be showing up and what kind of process can we use to get that better? It's a totally different story if we go book 10 leads out of those 20 and we end up going 0 for 10 in terms of the consult. So in that case, hey, you know, your front desk is crushing it. You know, give that person a raise. They're rocking it. But, you know, we might want to look into what's being said in the consultation to make sure that somebody has the best shot of closing those deals. 
And again, this is all stuff that sounds really, really, really simple and straightforward and logical, but the fact is very, very few people do it. And when it comes to maintaining a sense of optimism and actually getting better at stuff, it is very, very hard to bootstrap confidence on results in a new thing. I'll kind of use the example of networking because this is something that almost every attorney starts at. You have the situation where you know you can press the flesh, hit the BNI meetings, hit the bar happy hour, whatever you need to do, and that's going to result in a situation where you have closed deals. Our default as you know, multi-celled organisms is to follow that which has gotten results in the best. It's the same reason that you know a dog's going to show up when he it knows it's dinner time. We do the same thing when it comes to finding business for our law firms, right? But if you have a situation where there's this new thing and it hasn't gotten you the result yet, it's very hard to maintain optimism on when this thing's going to work out, especially if this is something you're spending money on, which you almost never have to spend money on referrals. And especially if this is the first thing you've spent money on. So not to get into too much of a rabbit hole, but there's a lot of reasons why people will not be looking for this stuff to move forward. But at the same time, I think it's super important to understand what's going right with your system. If you have the situation where your lead volume's strong, you're booking tons of stuff, and it's getting all the way up to the front line, and it's not closing out, then that is not the best thing from a results perspective, because maybe you're expecting to get things a little bit sooner. But it's fantastic in the sense that you know what to work on. And over time, when I look at the firms that have gotten to seven figures, it's being able to look at these things with a clear head and understanding that there is no bad thing that can happen because that just shows you what to work on. The other thing that's really important with process is, you know, usually within reason, once you get something figured out, you don't have to worry about it anymore. So going back to that example, if we have the situation where we had the 20 leads and only two of those got booked, you train up that front desk person, you get them on the right script, you understand how to check that and make sure that they're doing it to verify that the work is being done. You might be able to count on a 25 to 50% booking rate for the rest of your time with that person. And that's better than having a fluky week where you close a couple and not understanding why. Right. So once you add these little gems of wins from from finding holes in process, that's more sustainable than having fluky success. Right. And when I look at the situations with the firms that are doing seven figures plus, it's always the same. These guys understand these things and these guys have made a point at focusing on process at a granular level because that's really what sustains things over time. So I'll kind of give you guys the choice here right now. If you want to, you know, so I don't think anyone's going to choose to, to want to focus on the process, but take consideration to where are you having all or nothing thinking? Where am I saying this worked or this didn't work? And where can I get more granularity into the process that makes success for whatever I'm considering? Again, we're talking about marketing just because obviously it's something that people listen to this podcast a lot for, but this could be taking cases to trial. This could be whether you're having success with onboarding a new employee. This could be how your interviews are going. It could be anything. Look into it and see where you don't have clarity. And, and if you don't understand what it is, you, know, you don't have to be an expert in these things to kind of figure things out on your own. Just take a look at the different steps in the process and see what you have control over, what you don't. And if nothing else, try to do a little bit of an analysis and a debrief on something that may not have gone well and see what you could do differently to do next time. That's the soul of process-based thinking. And that's you know the kernel of what ends up getting people to have sustainable success in law or any other business, to be frank. So I'm going to come back next week with a follow-up on how to manage using these principles. But until next time, we'll see you guys next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Eastern on the Law Firm Growth Podcast. 
Thank you for listening to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. For show notes, free resources, and more, head on over to casefuel.com slash podcast. Looking forward to catching up on the next episode.